I think the deepest wisdom always starts with the capacity to pause long enough to reflect and then ask yourself what I call a life-giving question, a question that actually opens a doorway to a better experience. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome to episode six of Messy and Magnificent. It's yours truly, Carly Fain. You ever meet somebody and it just clicks? Maybe you feel like you've known them for a lifetime already, even though you just ran into each other for the first time in the grocery store. (laughs) Well, today we are joined by one of those very special people in my life. In addition to her long pedigree of experience and wisdom, she is a friend, a confidant, and a real talking inspiration to me and countless others, Dr. Maria Sirwa. I cannot wait for you to hear the interview that I just did with her. With the holidays near, we spoke about how to nourish ourselves during busy times and about how much of the stress we experience has to do with our relationships with other people and what to do about it. How self-care in this day and age, we know it's not just about drinking enough water and getting enough sleep. It's about knowing how to deal with challenging people and challenging circumstances. And Maria outlined beautifully how to make really small but hugely transformative shifts in our busiest or fullest or hardest times so that we still get to experience what we want more of in our life, whether that's joy or nourishment or connections or whatever it is that speaks to you right now. And she also had a really bold, radical idea at the end of the interview for what to do if you're in a relationship with people that really are just toxic or dangerous or unhealthy to be around. So speaking of inspirational friends, before we dive in, I want to give a special shout out to the things they told me. That's the screen name of someone who left a podcast review on iTunes for me. They said, just finished listening and wow. It's like this podcast was recorded just for me. I love this woman's energy, voice, heart, and words. Thank you, Carly, for validating my current feelings of fear and inspiring me to take the next steps in building my business. Can't wait for the next episode. Oh my gosh, the things they told me. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And here's what I'm really excited about. You are figuring out how to acknowledge your feelings of fear and keep making some steps forward at the same time. Like you're not just squashing down the the feelings that are difficult or hard or large. We all know that good things don't come when we do that. You're able to hear it. You're able to feel the feels and keep on going. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Here's the part of your review that really warms my heart. When you talked about how it feels like I'm speaking just to you, because there's this question I've been asking myself a lot. So with the launch of this podcast and doing more work online in general, I keep asking, okay, how can I serve even more people 
and still maintain the same personal connection and presence and genuine care for my clients and my audience that I've always had, right? So as things scale, I don't care about being big for big sake. I want to be able to be of deeper service to more people. And I have some ideas around how to do that, but frankly, I'm still kind of just figuring it out as I go. So please keep those reviews coming, everybody. Tell me what topics are speaking to you and what topic have I not covered yet that if I spoke to it would feel like it was speaking right to you. When you do that, I will read your reviews. I will know how to provide more of what you're looking for. And hey, who knows? Maybe I'll give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. All right. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Maria Sirwa. Dr. Maria Sirwa is an inspirational speaker, consultant, and licensed psychologist who has worked in the field of wellness and positive psychology for over two decades now. And as a positive psychologist, she focuses on the resilience of the human spirit, particularly when under chronic stress, during significant transitions, and when you're feeling the shock of what she calls wholesale change, where all of a sudden things are different. She is known for her wisdom, for her authenticity, and rampant humor. (laughs) I think of Maria like a weaver of story and research. She kind of threads them together, and it feels like a tapestry that I can wrap around myself when I'm looking for a way to navigate onward. So I cannot express how grateful I am to have my colleague and friend, Maria, here. Thank you so much for joining us, Maria. Oh, man, it is a gift to be with you, Carly. You ever have, yeah, you know, you meet somebody and you just like click with them and you just know like this is one of my people and Maria has always been that for me. <laughs> oh, this is one of my people. And Maria, I got to say before we dive in to some great conversation here, I was thinking about you this morning and I remember gosh, must have been 10 years ago. He had me over for dinner. Maria has the best friends. And she, she had a bunch of her friends over for dinner, a bunch of colleagues and women in all different walks of life, all different careers. And we were just sitting around eating hummus on a table at your old house in the backyard. And we were talking about what teachers or presenters or leaders, authors are inspiring us right now. Like, what are we, who are we learning from? And different answers, you know, coming from different people. But there was this one similarity that I never forgot. I remember us all arriving at the conclusion that we gravitate towards the teachers and the leaders that don't pretend to be perfect, Mm -hmm. that dare to lead with a little bit of vulnerability or to bring in the things that they're still working on or the things that make them human. And Mm -hmm. you do that so beautifully. It's always caused me to feel safe in your presence because I feel like, yeah, we're figuring it out together. (laughs) We are figuring it out. That that is true. (laughs) Maria and I, I had the pleasure of having breakfast with Maria this past weekend. And we were talking about, you know, how the holidays are upon us. And how, you know, all of us, we know self-care is a good idea. We're doing our best to lean into it. Some of us are consistent. A lot of us are having fits and starts. We do our best. And this is the time of year where it's easy for us to have a lot to do, maybe a lot of people to be around, or just feelings, things bubbling up internally. This is the kind of year where there's, where there's plenty to feel within, our, within ourselves. And so 
we were talking about what it looks like to be intentional with the holidays or what does it look like to be intentional when we know we have a lot on our plate so that we're still able to, to honor ourselves and what we need to be at our best. And I was wondering, Maria, what does being intentional during a busy time look like? Or what could that look like when there's fullness in your life and yet you're wanting to be mindful about the way you're showing up? So I had a, an awareness come to me just about a decade ago because I'm Jewish and celebrate the Jewish holidays, but my family of origin is Catholic. We celebrate Christmas and the Catholic. So the fall is just a gauntlet of holiday starting, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, <laughs> Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's. About 10 years ago, I realized, man, I, I have to figure out how to do this in a way that's nourishing because I was, not, I was losing a lot of ground, a lot of energy and vitality. And I found myself just praying to get through, just like, can I just get through all this as opposed to really experiencing them and, and forget about enjoying them. And mm-hmm. we can talk about the holidays, but this is any sort of busy and full time, you know, like a time when you're launching a new product and you're managing your children in middle school and you're helping your partner with a diagnosis, you know, like any like intense time, right? And I think the deepest wisdom always starts with the capacity, and this is, this is something you teach, the capacity to pause long enough to reflect and then ask yourself what I call a life-giving question, a question that actually opens a doorway to a better experience that gives life to you life to your to the very dailiness of your living and creates a sense of opening moving forward as opposed to shutting down draining and limitation just as you say that it feels like an invitation to expand a little bit yeah. like i think about when i'm feeling busy or crunched or like there's a lot on my plate and there's kind of this contractive sense and it's easy for me to feel scarcity like there's not enough not enough time or i'm not wrapping these presents the right way or i'm not responding at the right pace or you know it's not enough there's something about asking that type of question that mm-hmm. feels like an opening again like yeah. going from contracting to just just a little bit right mm-hmm. in a way that feels so what's an example of a life-giving question like what could that sound like one of the early questions I came up with after I realized that I was dreading every fall and didn't want to live like that any longer, the early question I asked myself is, okay, so what would, what would success look like for me during this particular holiday? And what I started to realize is that I couldn't think of success globally because that was a setup for failure. So I had to think of it very specifically and authentically. So I remember one holiday thinking, okay, success will look like, even though I'm away visiting my relatives, I go for at least a 10 minute run every day. Like, and I just held myself accountable for those 10 minute runs. When I got on the plane to fly home, I was like, okay, check success, right? So that was the, that's like a first entry level question that I hold. And over time, I invited myself to consider, okay, what would happiness look like for me, even if I'm, say, feeling pressured and worried that I didn't get the gift thing right, or I didn't get the food thing right, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what would happiness look like? And that even felt a little more expansive as a question. And some years I play with what would make this time meaningful, personally, Mm. deeply meaningful for me. Like you, 
I have nieces and nephews. And so <laughs> some holidays, the, the highest and deepest and richest meaning is, can I have just 20 delicious minutes with my niece who I love or my nephew who I love? You know, can I, can I just carve, figure out how to carve that out amidst the chaos? I think that the first inclination I have is pausing long enough to reflect and consider. And then the second is to come up with a life-giving question. And the third step then would be to create the question in such a way that it's true and authentic, but also doable. Yes, I love, you know, and with your specificity within your answers to that question, that to me is what feels like it's doable. So you didn't say, I'm going to enjoy all my time with my nieces and my nephews. It's, I'm going to enjoy 20 minutes on this particular day with these right. nieces and nephews. So right. that it's, it's not so global. It seems more doable. It's suddenly right. doable, right? Right. Yeah. I remember one Christmas where the goal was, I want to play cards with my two nephews. I want to get one good rummy game in. <laughs> so it was myself, my two nephews, my son, my daughter. And this was after the recent loss of my dad. So there was a, a sheen of sorrow over the entire holiday. And we, we, we got our card game in. It was everything I remembered our card games to be, you know, fun and competitive and annoying and long, a little too long and all, you know, everything card games are. But it was my, it was like, yes, that was happiness and success and meaning all wrapped in one. And I noticed that once I had done that, I was much freer to rest in the rest of the holiday as if, oh, I can just ride the wave now. I don't have to control anything or manage anything or make it better than it actually is because I had my moment. Right. This reminds me of something when I went to nutrition school. Remember talking about, okay, how do you eat out well? Like how do you eat health, you know, in a healthy way if you're traveling for work and you have to eat out at a restaurant because it can be challenging. And and the solution I came up with was I'm going to look at the menu. I'm going to order the healthiest thing that's available there. And then I'm letting myself off the hook. Right. <laughs> like, and that's, and then like, I know I did my part and now I'm allowed to just enjoy the ride. And so I think you're, you're creating something beautiful there, Maria, and that I did my part and now I can surrender a little bit right. and, and not have to control it. You're reminding me, and this is something you and I have definitely spoken about before, about how a lot of the stress we feel in our lives is related to the relationships we have and our interactions with other people. Right. And, you know, you talk beautifully about, you know, the, it was the old self-care model, which involved just getting a certain amount of exercise and a certain amount of sleep and enough water. And then we should feel fine. And what we found after decades of that is you can drink plenty of water and get plenty of sleep and still be unsatisfied right, with your circumstances. <laughs> if, if not miserable. Right. 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 And so I'd be so curious to hear from, from your experience a little bit more about how do we navigate? our interactions with people, especially people we might not be able to control during the holidays. How do we navigate finding pause there or finding a little bit more grace or ease there when it's not just about us? You can take that same framework of pausing enough to ask the right life-giving question. So a life-giving question relative to a relationship, say, that's that's historically troubled or historically complicated might be, what is the thing that we do well together? And can I build that in? Ooh, I um, love that. You know, I could never, my father was never somebody who I could expect to enjoy going shopping <laughs> with me. 
and nor was he a, a very verbal person. So he was never going to sit around and have a long drink and tell a thousand stories with me. But, you know, there were certain things that we did beautifully together, which was we enjoyed, us, you know, sports together or we we could, you know, rake the garden well together kind of thing. And so to really be thoughtful about when we're at our best together in this relationship, what are those moments like? And can we can create, again, a small, measurable taste of that kind of moment? But the other thing, and I think this speaks to holidays in general that I'm really aware of, is that sometimes we're, we go into these holidays with an expectation that things are going to be healed. You know, if you think historically about where our holidays come from centuries ago, those pagan rites and rituals, you know, they were meant to to gather a people together to honor a certain passing, like the passing of the, the phases of the sun and the moon. They were meant to share stories. They were meant to create a grounding, you know, at a, either in a land or in a time or for a people again. And over time, I think in the West, we have this somehow unspoken but very potent belief that somehow miraculously around the Thanksgiving table or the lighting the Hanukkah menorah, we're suddenly going to love each other more or understand <laughs> each other more or experience healing. And, and that can happen. But to enter into the holidays with that as an expectation, that is a huge and heavy burden. That's a, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Right. So in the relational field, again, to think about what are the moments, what is what does a moment of success look and feel like in terms of feeling like I'm in the relationship in a way that's life-giving to me and hopefully also life-giving to the other person, we can take our same sort of template and apply it there. I love a good framework and a good template. <laughs> and for everybody who's listening in, uh, Marie and I have created a handout to go along with this podcast that will help you start to self-source your own version mm -hmm. of, of what a successful holiday season might look like, mm -hmm. right? Because we get to decide. And so mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, it's really a three-step process we've got here, Maria. There's this daring to pause. And we say daring a lot when we're in conversation mm -hmm. around pause because we know the cultural norm is to go, go, go and do mm -hmm. more, more, more. And it really does take an act of courage to put a pin in something and for a moment give ourselves the respect of pausing. So mm -hmm. daring to pausing, asking a life-giving question. Which, mm -hmm. So not just a question, right? But I'm hearing you say life-giving question, something mm -hmm. that's elevating or, or raises us into mm -hmm. something that might be more ideal. Mm -hmm. And then creating something, an answer to that question that you said, it really hit me when you said that feels true. Mm -hmm. And it's specific. Mm -hmm. As in, it's not pie in the sky. And I know I've been guilty of that, of just of saying, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crank out six episodes of the podcast in an afternoon. Because that would be great <laughs> if I could do that. <laughs> That'd be so great. Yeah. And the truth is like, I can do two in a day and be really present to them and do them really well. And mm -hmm. to have it be real and grounded in something that mm -hmm. is achievable. Mm -hmm. like how nice would it be not to have a, a big laundry list of things to do, but to have one or two achievable things? What do you know now, Maria, about navigating the holidays in addition to what you've already shared that maybe you didn't know even a year ago? I think one of the things I know now, I can't say I, that it, I've learned this in the last year, but certainly in the last few years is that I've learned to live in to the holidays on two levels at the same time. What one level. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more about so that. At one le level, it's about, so this Thanksgiving holiday, right? 
it's about the turkey and the right liquor in the house and the this person wants the mashed potatoes and am I going to get the pretty flowers and did I wash the linens and not right number of chairs. It's, it's, so at one level, it's sort of the proper holiday attention, if you will. At another level, I've learned to be much more funny inside myself about, oh my God, it's, it's Thursday. Like it's just a Thursday, right? <laughs> so <laughs> like to take the pressure off it being amazing and just be sort of like, you know, I've done everything I can. I set the table up as best I could and it's Thursday (laughs) and tomorrow's going to be Friday and then comes Saturday, right? So just try to live into both realities at the same time has been helpful to me. Calling my sisters out there that work for yourself or run your own business. Something unexpected has been happening since I started this podcast. I did not predict that so many women would be reaching out and asking me how in the world have I and my clients gone from working around the clock to having time and energy abundance? Well, let me tell you, it is not magic, it's method. And it is entirely doable to have plenty of space to breathe while you reach new professional levels. So I've got an idea. For the first time ever, I am publicly opening the doors on December 2nd for just a handful of women to join me in the private coaching program I've run with great results for women bosses for the past few years. It's called the Reclaiming Time Studio. So if everyone else is impressed with how much you're doing, but secretly, you know you're capable of even more, but you just don't have the time to get to it yet, hop on over to carlyfane.com, get the full scoop and apply. But I want to give you a heads up. This is a very brief opening in the doors for enrollment. So we're going to close the doors promptly on December 16th. This is a cozy cohort of women leaders from around the world who have more time, clarity, and energy than ever before. And if that speaks to you, make sure you apply. Carlyfane.com. The doors are going to be open from December 2nd to the 16th. And together we'll make 2020 your most prosperous and nourished year yet. I'll tell you another epiphany that came in the last few years. This isn't grand, but it, it has helped me enormously. A couple of years ago, I decided that my daughter needed to be exercising more. This is not a, this is not a human being who exercises. So I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I found her some way to exercise that would be delightful and could fit into her apartment or her home and, and it wouldn't cause her to go to the gym, which she hates kind of thing. And I, so I bought her this small trampoline and had it shipped for Christmas. <laughs> yep. to where, so she's this giant box, small trampoline. She opens the thing, she looks at it and she's like, she clipped that there was not one ounce of her that had any interest in trampolining as exercise. And of course I had to return the thing, you know, which weighs 40 pounds and shove it in the back of my car and so on. But it was an an interesting moment for me because I realized two things in terms of gifts, always better to give them what they want, not what you think they want. (laughs) And secondly, that no one gift is the summation of all of who you are in that relationship. If the mashed potatoes and gravy aren't good on Thursday, if you don't have gifts for every single night of Hanukkah, if you give them the trampoline, (laughs) they look at you like (laughs) foreheads. 
you know, there are so many ways we can beat ourselves up for not getting a detail right Mm -hmm. and forgetting instead that the fullness of the care is really what matters, that we did our best, we showed up as best we could, we continue to do so. Once the magic of the Thursday is gone or the New Year's Eve is gone, it's, it's just Friday. It's just Saturday. And here I am showing up for you again, right? I appreciate this so much, Maria. This is something that was a big aha for me professionally a few years ago when I realized I don't have to send one perfect email to my list. Like I realized like each time I would go to draft an email twice a month, I try to send one, you know, to everybody on my list. And I had so much pressure on myself to get it right. And there was no, here I am trying to write something that sounds witty and joyful and delightful. And I'm just, you know, hunched over my desk, totally stressed (laughs) out three hours into one draft, you know, hating it and then dreading it two weeks later. And it was time to do it again. And it occurred to me, yeah, no one email has to be the email. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be the one who keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. But I'll be the one who's consistently here. And I think about that for, you know, our friends out there who need to give presentations at work, that no one presentation has to be the one. And mm-hmm. while we'd love for that to be the case, that we'll keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not done yet. And that, mm-hmm. that consistency and that presence mm-hmm. is, is the meaningful part. You know, that's the, the binding part, I think, to others is knowing that this person's going to keep showing up. I'm just going to be consistent. I don't need to be. And we talk about this a lot in my practice. It's in the business world. It's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the focused, Mm -hmm. right? Like who can just tend to their thing again and again and again. And so I love this idea that no one gift or no one meal or no one holiday in and of itself has to be the one Mm -hmm. that we could be doing this whole lifetime together, hopefully for, you know, for a long time. There is some research by a woman named Amy Rizhninsky. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing it right, at Yale. And she looked at crafting our work in such a way to activate engagement, meaning, and higher work satisfaction. And she broke this notion of job crafting down into three categories. We can, we can focus our attention on crafting the tasks that we have been assigned such as, and imbue them with more meaning and significance. We can focus on crafting the relationships at work in such a way that they're healthier and more sustaining, more pleasurable, more collegial, and then craft the job itself, the overall arching intent of the job. And she, you know, she refers to sort of very classic research, which has been available to us for decades, which is that, you know, you can have someone who's a cafeteria worker or a custodian at a school who experiences that as meaningless, boring, repetitive labor, or you can have a cafeteria worker custodian at a school who experiences that as incredibly powerful and meaningful because they're providing you know, a service on behalf of the, the education of a child, et cetera. And that we, in our dailiness of our work and our living, sometimes forget to imbue meaning at work for our own betterment. And her research is in direct alignment with this notion of crafting the holiday in such a way that it actually gives life to you, or at least keeps the balance even (laughs) as opposed to draining. You know, I think it's completely in alignment with your wisdom about learning to choose mindfully on one's own behalf, as opposed to let the event or the task or the assignment or the holiday own you. Mm -hmm. Well said. 
right? That in that daring to pause, that's where we get to consciously create what we want to welcome more into our lives of. I know I find that when I don't pause, I'm more likely to do the things that I think other people expect of me Mm -hmm. or do the thing that seems obvious, even if it's not a match for where I'm at. And that in that daring to pause, there's just enough liminal space, right? To get to kind of check ourselves and create intentionally. So I think that's the difference between being conscious and driving the vehicle, you know, through the holidays versus kind of being in the backseat somewhere, getting tossed around on a bumpy, (laughs) on a bumpy road. I was in a locker room about seven or eight years ago, maybe two weeks before Christmas. And there were a couple of two or three women who had just finished a swimming class together and they were getting changed and I was getting changed on the other bay. So they didn't know that I could hear them and um, we couldn't see each other. But they were about, I would say, probably in their early 60s. And one of them was gave out this huge sigh and her friend asked, you know, what was that for? And she said, you know, that today was the day that she had to go shopping for her husband's company because every year somehow she had been assigned to buy the gifts for all the executives assistants. And every year she dreaded the task because she dreaded getting it wrong. And she couldn't quite remember what she had done four years ago. And if she didn't know the assistant, then who knew, you know, and she said every year it's become just this huge boulder I have to push through in a way in order to get to enjoy Christmas and just the sorrow and the weight of it. And I was aware of a few things in that moment. First of all, how she was naming a reality many of us experience that, like you said, we get caught into other people's expectations of what the ritual needs to be or should be. A second that she hadn't given herself permission to simply say no, right. no, thank you. <laughs> I've done right. this, you know, so many, no, thank you. Find somebody else to do this. And that third she had allowed this one particular task to take on a weight and a dimension that made it planet size, as opposed to, if I'm going to say yes to this task, how can I do this quickly, efficiently, so I lose as little energy to it as possible? Right. So in three ways, she was not leading, she was being either victimized by or following. Yeah, that's a great example. That's a story yeah. that I'm going to remember. I think it's, it's relatable. And I also think it's the kind of thing, you know, when you're outside looking in, it's so easy to see other ways of right. doing it. And so for those of us who are finding ourselves in a place of feeling like we're pushing eight boulders up a hill, doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Right. <laughs> like just, right. and it's okay to, to ask ourselves, really? I mean, after this podcast, I'm going to sit with the question, Maria, what boulders am I pushing right now mm-hmm. that I don't need to push? No. Right. I could either, you know, step aside and let them roll down the hill, or I could ask somebody else for some help with what boulders am I pushing unconsciously mm-hmm. that aren't mine, that aren't right. my stones to push. Right. And how did, how did I end up on that mountain with that boulder? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because I said yes, one year, 17 years ago, doesn't mean I have to say yes. Again. So that get back, getting back to that relational question that you had asked earlier, that most stressors are relational each of us find this balance between saying yes to things that, and I can imagine that 20 years ago, let's say her husband asked her to help him do this. And it, it was meaningful because he was inviting her in to be a part of his work life. And she knew she could do a better job than him. And he was really counting on her and that felt important. And it was a way of demonstrating her love for it. Like I could see all sorts of positive reasons 20 years ago to say yes. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. 
But at some point it becomes a boulder. And so we have to have the capacity to say yes and the capacity to say no. Exactly. I have a client right now who her, her youngest child is now in college and it's the first time in her adult life since being married and having children that she's getting to pursue what she wants to do at, at the forefront. And so she just finished up a master's degree in art and really she's been you know, creating art on the side, but is really wants to live into this as, as her career moving forward. And, and she's asking herself these questions around the holidays because the kids are going to be coming home from school and they are still used to mom making literally seven or eight different side dishes, plus a turkey and a ham. And then each kid has their special dessert that they like. And, and she wants the kids to have that experience that they've gone accustomed to and the comfort that that brings them during the holidays. And, and she's aware that they might not come home forever. You know, at some point they might have another home. And yet she is no longer wanting to sacrifice mm. what, what is filling her right now. And what's filling her is time in her garage, which is her art studio. Mm-hmm. And so she was telling me, I'm going to be in my art studio for 30 minutes every morning. And I've already emailed the kids like they know. And then the rest of the day, I'm here to be baking cookies and and doing the things you're used to. But 30 minutes is now flexible, but Mm non-negotiable. This is flexible, but non-negotiable time. Beautiful. And so I, I think that speaks so beautifully to the patterns we can find ourselves in because they made sense once upon a time. And maybe they just don't make sense now. And in that pausing is enough space for reflection. Right. Like maybe this was of great service. So no right. judgment and what's yeah. of service right now. And I love the preparation that she's done, the priming, you know, to let her family know this, by the way, this is the deal this year. Right. Right. And that reminds me of one of the ninja skills that we in the, the leader mom work that I've been doing have un- helped uncover these high performing women who are highly esteemed both at work and at home. They have a number of ninja sort of skills that help manage the the balance of it all. And one of the skills the wisest women bring home to children is instead of beating yourself up for, do I have to be at the school play and the soccer games and the parent teacher conferences and get, you know, get to the board meeting and deliver this product and so on and so forth. They've learned to say to the children, okay, of the five things coming up in the next two weeks, which is the one that's the most important? And do you really want me there? Right, because we sometimes make assumptions. We have to show up for everything, and they really want us there. And that's not always true. So um, (laughs) to do the same with the holidays, like my son, for example, is twenty, and he'll be home for Thanksgiving. Home in quotation marks because he'll actually be at his dad's house for the holiday, and he'll be swinging by. You know, he'll be he'll be doing the flyby, drive by Thanksgiving, and then Christmas he'll be with me for a couple days, and then he's spending New Year's with his girlfriend. So in both instances, it's a very limited amount of time. Instead of me torturing myself, oh my God, how can I make every moment rich and meaningful and make sure he has his favorite this and his favorite that? You know, the conversation I've had with Jesse is, how do you want to hang out? I know exactly his, he wants to just hang, literally hang out, play guitar and just no pressure in his pajamas. Right. Oh. Done. Check. Right. Done. Right. Check. Like that I can make happen. Well, what I think is so great here, I don't think a lot of us have had this modeled for us, this idea of being intentional, whether it's around the holidays or any other time. This is something that we're really paving a path on together. And so what I'm really appreciating about this, Maria, is that it's, it's modeling something for the other people in our lives, too, and we're inviting them to be part of the experience. 
and to support us in that experience. So of, like you said, of these five potential things I could be doing over the next two weeks with you, which one is really important? And so that they are heard and they are welcomed into this and we're modeling this idea of not spreading ourselves too thin. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something so powerful in that. Yeah. So I would love to take the conversation in a slightly different direction. Everything that I've said, I deeply, deeply, deeply believe in. And at the same time, I would love to invite in space for what I call the bold, courageous creation of the holiday. Mm. And what I mean by that is some of us have experienced certain holiday rituals or templates that truly are soul-sucking. And that even these smaller success-oriented or positivity-oriented moments like 30 minutes in the studio or me 10 minutes of running are just not going to be enough, right? Some, some holiday environments, are we, just to be honest, are toxic. Some are dangerous, you know, and some are simply deadening. And so full permission also to really totally courageously and boldly create the template completely differently. And permission to do, you know, Christmas in San Antonio, permission to do <laughs> Thanksgiving in Canada in October when they do it. Do you know what I mean? Like permission to not do the holiday, permission to, to go on retreat in the, in the sanctity of your best friend's guest room, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, no, not doing it. I'll be in my best friend's guest room, right? <laughs> I do think when we're talking about such potentially stress-inducing, deep, powerful, family-centric or tribe or clan-centric moments, it behooves us to just at least invite in the question, if I really recreated in this a way that absolutely worked for me and the ones closest to me, what might that look like? Mm, If I recreated this in a way that really, truly worked for me and the ones closest to me, what would that look like? That's the question I'm going to leave us with here to marinate on, Maria. And I want to invite you to do something brand new. We've never done this before because you're the first interview that we're, we're releasing here. Want to try the messy and magnificent two-way Q&A. <laughs> and we kind of gave Maria a little like friendly heads up that we might do this here at the end of the episode, where it's just an opportunity to real quickly go through a couple questions. I'm going to ask you three questions and you'll have an opportunity to ask me one in the middle. Should it, should it speak to you? What do you say? Are you? Okay, go, go, go. Here we go. Question number one, what is one mistake that you made that you're thankful for now? So when I was in college, I was dating a guy for two years. We were boyfriend and girlfriend, but I started to crush on another guy who crushed on me and it hadn't gotten physical, but I clearly was emotionally you know, playing inappropriately with the boundaries of from what felt inappropriate for me. And I caused my boyfriend a lot of pain. And so, so grateful I messed that up in that way when I was like 19, because man, that is a fire I've never gone near again. So easy to sort of just say, no, I touched that once, never gone near there again. Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. So good. What is one thing that you're good at that other people might not know about? I am really good at puzzles. (laughs) Like jigsaw puzzles? I love jigsaw puzzles and I'm really good at them and they make me happy and I hum when I do them. Have you seen, um, what's his name? He was on Parks and Rec and his wife is Megan Mullally. 
And that's what they do, like these two Hollywood celebs. And they like put puzzles together. And then whenever they're done, they stage a photo of them with the puzzle doing whatever the puzzle was about, you know, on Instagram. And that's how they spend their big fancy nights. They're like, they're home together with their two dogs. They have these really so ugly that they're cute dogs. And they're they're doing puzzles. I I get it. I get it. (laughs) So what's a question you'd love to ask me? What's your favorite texture? Ooh, right now it's soft and furry. Mm-hmm. things that feel like a nest they feel like comfort maybe it's the time of year but mm-hmm. something that feels like again like I could wrap myself up in it yeah you know, or nest into it mm-hmm. so here is the last question of the day Maria even if others don't agree what do you know to be true that there's always hope <sighs> that there is always hope you write about that beautifully so Maria actually has has two books out and she, she speaks to both of those beautifully. So her first book, Everyday Counts, Lessons in Love, Faith, and Resilience from Children Facing Illness. And then um, more recently, she's had A Short Curse in Happiness After Loss and Other Dark Difficult Times, which really brings together kind of the science of positive psychology and the art of resilience together to offer this curriculum that is so whole for people who are in a place where they might be seeking some strength and some uplift and meaning while wrestling with the harshness of, of what's just transpired in their lives. Thank you for being here. Where can people go to hear more about what you're doing? What's one place they might connect with you? Oh, on my website, mariasirwa.com. And on that is a contact page where they could just write me directly through my email. Great. And we'll make sure we put a link to that in our show notes. And if you've got a question for Maria, if you've got something that you would love for her to speak to, make sure you leave that in our comments and I will pass the message along. Maria, thank you for being here. Oh, always wonderful, Carly. Thank you for the light you bring. We'll talk soon. Every time I speak with Maria, I walk away with at least one, usually more than one, nugget of wisdom that I keep asking myself, that I continue to live into. And I'm just now realizing that this podcast is going to allow me to introduce you to even more of my friends and my colleagues and the people that I really admire, the authors and the speakers. So if there's somebody that you want me to interview, make sure you let me know when you leave a review. But here's what I want to know from you right now. If you only remember one part of today's podcast, what is it going to be? What do you never want to forget? Leave that in your review or snap a screenshot of you listening to the episode and post it so that I can see it on social media. And we will keep this conversation going. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.